0: To take us into our year, our first tackling transitions, our monthly feature, examining how we're adapting to our environment. You may have been one of the thousands of electric vehicle users, for instance, who set off on a long road trip over the summer, perhaps for the first time. And by many accounts, charge stations along the main routes were in hot demand with lengthy queues and people getting to grips with charge station etiquette. With more EVs set to hit the Australian market this year, the challenge seems to be whether charging infrastructure will keep up with demand. And that's uh, what we're going to look at today. Tom Gann is an EV enthusiast. He runs a YouTube channel called Ludicrous Feed, where his videos dive deep into the world of EVs and charging. Over the holidays, he drove from Sydney to Melbourne with his family, and he documented all the pros and cons of the charge sites along the way. And Ross Durango is the head of energy and infrastructure at the Electric Vehicle Council. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Tom, this drive from Sydney to Melbourne and back again, what did you drive, which car in other words, and how did you go in terms of waiting for charges and, or finding charges out of order?
1: Yeah, um, so we were lucky enough to drive a BYD Atto 3, which was on loan from the Australian distributor. So um, we drove that from Sydney to Melbourne, as you said, Geraldine, and back again. And uh, we, yeah, as we, as you've said, my YouTube channel documents exactly what happened along the trip. We stopped, I think, on the way down five times and on the way back f- about four times. And we actually didn't wait too much at all on the way down, except for one time. But every single time there were, uh, there were enough charges for us. I guess the issue for us was some of them were malfunctional. So, you know, if there had been a queue, uh, the number of charges would have been less, which means that we would have waited longer. So I think that's still an issue, um, the reliability of EV charging stations at the moment in Australia. So you didn't wait at all, really? No, we didn't. We, we drove on the, th- on the 3rd of January, so just after all that busy period between Boxing Day and New Year's. Mm. So we, we made that deliberate decision to avoid those queues. But no, we, we, it was pretty smooth sailing from our point of view down to Melbourne. And you couldn't use the Tesla charge network. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. At the moment in Australia, uh, as of 2023, only Tesla vehicles can use the Tesla supercharger network. Uh, Is that super fast, is it? it? It's not so much super fast, but it's reliable. They're very reliable. I've done road trips in a Tesla to Adelaide and back uh, and to the to the Gold Coast and back from Sydney. And they're literally just plug and play. You plug it in the car, the car knows what to do, no fiddling with apps or credit cards. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so easy. Um, and is there any sign of this changing so that drivers of other EV brands could use this fast charge network? So in Europe and in the US, there are pilot programs at the moment allowing non-Tesla EVs to charge in the Tesla network. In Australia, um, we did have some guests from the New South Wales government who are providing funding to uh, EV charging networks, including Tesla, uh, but one of the stipulations was to open up the network to all EVs. So I'm looking forward to that happening very soon, hopefully. And what if there are people waiting to charge in the queue
0: behind you? I gather there's quite an etiquette around this. Do you recharge up to 100%
1: or do you jump off early? There's no such rule as such. It is etiquette, as you said, Geraldine. Um, see, at the moment with non Tesla charging stations, at the most I've seen is four, four per site. Um, on average, it's one to two. So, really, at those busy periods, if you've got a queue of cars, you're waiting potentially an hour. To charge your vehicle. Mm. Well, and that's
0: what uh, Phil Williams wrote about, didn't he? Correct. <laughs> the
1: ABC car- correct. I think it was three quarters an hour. Correct. <laughs> and that's obviously causing a lot of angst during those busy periods. At the moment, we use PlugShare, which is kind of a user populated service, um, and to sort of log our charging time. And I, I personally write, okay, I'll be uh, I'll be here for another 15-20 minutes, and that way someone can contact me if they need to. If they use the, if they use the app, but etiquette-wise, um, you just I just, just got to wait and sort of hold your ground <laughs> if you're waiting for it.
0: And just again, um, the last 10-20% to 20% of your charge takes longer. Is that right? Proportionately longer?
1: Yes, that's correct. So yeah, the the charge curve looks like it's sort of very quick in the first zero to say 60%, and then it really plateaus very quickly uh, for for most EVs. So from a at a good point of view, I would—if there was someone waiting behind me—I'd probably top up to eighty percent and then move on.
0: Oh, this is all so interesting, uh, Ross. How many Australians now do own EVs, and what's the forecast for this year?
2: Yeah, so at this stage, we've had a, a bumper year in twenty twenty-two, with about thirty-nine thousand new EVs joining the road, which has brought the total to a shade over eighty thousand vehicles. It's still early days in the transition. Those eighty thousand units on the road represent about one in two hundred vehicles on the road. In terms of what the year 2023 looks like, that's really going to be heavily impacted by the numbers of units that vehicle manufacturers globally allocate to the Australian market. Uh, We've been advocating very strongly for fuel efficiency standards because that is the key measure to accelerate the number of cars available to Australians.
0: Right. And and any indications of change, well, on two strikes, I suppose, the federal government's moves and the manufacturers?
2: Uh, So, the manufacturers globally are certainly heading in this direction. That's as a result of overseas governments uh, setting in place fuel efficiency standards and announcing end dates, after which the sale of petrol vehicles will no longer be legal. Mm -hmm. So, globally, the manufacturers have very much got the message and are tooling up to build EVs. Uh, Locally, since the change in federal government last year, we've had a market shift in a direction favorable towards EVs and the federal government is considering these matters at the moment.
0: What is your view about the balance between the number of EVs on the road and the forecast demand for cars balanced against the charge infrastructure? I mean, This is a very interesting part of the story, isn't it? What plans are there to expand the charge network and who's going to pay for it?
2: Sure, so uh, the deployment of charging infrastructure is an activity that is undertaken generally by industry, with co-funding and support from state government, federal government, and sometimes local government in the form of funding. Local government's role is more usually around site planning and provision of land to do the work on. Uh, In New South Wales, as was mentioned earlier, we've got funding from New South Wales uh, just recently announced to the tune of $40 million for their next round of high-power charging stations. So, that's Mm. 520 odd bays across 86 sites and some of those sites are really large. So, on that route that was mentioned Melbourne to Sydney, there's one going in north of Albury with 15 ultra-fast bays as part of that funding program. Right. Uh, Their next funding round is even larger. So, they're looking to close another funding round in June this year with another $80 million. Uh, with some really ambitious targets around fast-tracking and getting those up and running by the end of 2024.
0: And these are, these are fast charges, are they, as opposed to the m- m- regular ones?
2: Correct. The intent of these sites is you don't need to be there for more than 15, 20 minutes to get a really meaningful amount of energy. Uh, with the idea, per Tom's example, he's driven Melbourne to Sydney with four or five stops along the way. Ideally, we want the future to be more like one or two stops, and for those stops not to be any longer than is necessary to stop for lunch or a cup of coffee or to use the facilities. And what
0: about other states?
2: Uh, So, New South Wales and ACT are leading the way. Some of the other states are lagging in their investment. Uh, I would observe also the federal government is making heavy investments in this area in concert with the NRMA. They're looking at uh, developing a national network in addition to all the work that the individual states are doing. The charging infrastructure question, it takes time to build these things. I think every state and the federal government have all got the message that it needs to be built. The challenge essentially is just that it takes time.
0: See, for instance, in WA, uh, there's been the fastest growth in the country for Tesla take up, I understand. And um, that charge network is growing rapidly. That's a a state government sort of uh, led uh, uh, development, is it?
2: Yeah. So, in the early days in Western Australia, we saw the RAC, that's the equivalent of NRMA and RACV for us in the east, deploy a small network of chargers reaching down south of Perth. But more recently, the Western Australian government has a plan to enable high-power charging for the entirety of the border of Western Australia, from the crossing at – I think it's Eucla at South Australia – all the way around through Perth, up the coast, past Broome, uh, past Fitzroy Crossing to the Northern Territory.
0: Goodness me, uh, that's again, a huge...
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a big job. Yeah. It's a really big job and it's going to take them some time to do it. Uh, and during that period of time, especially on those really busy holiday weekends, we can expect, as Tom has outlined, for there to be some queuing at some charging stations.
0: Look, is there an issue with commercial payback or lack of it with the with the particular sorts of charging stations? That's, some people have raised that.
2: So, the key reason that we see federal and state government funding in this area is that it is very difficult on the basis of the number of cars on the road today to make it stack up commercially to deploy a charging station purely on the sale of the electricity. There's simply not enough cars using the service to cover off the cost of deploying and operating the infrastructure. Uh, Tom touched on Tesla earlier, which is kind of a special case. They're building their own infrastructure and historically have done it without government support for their own cars. They're not necessarily trying to make money out of the sale of the electricity at those sites. They're deploying those sites to enable them to sell the vehicles. Mm. Uh, So their business model is perhaps slightly different to some of the others in the market.
0: Uh, Tom, do you um, what are you noticing about where the charge stations are? are? They're out the back of petrol stations, aren't they? Quite a lot of the time, it's quite out of the way. Does that present a problem? Do you think?
1: Yes, I I think so. It it kind of gives the impression that it's like an afterthought. Mm. uh, EV charging stations as opposed to the main show, which is the, you know, the the petrol station. If you actually go and visit one of these stops, uh, they're out the back, as you said, Geraldine. They're not covered. There's no shade. um, It's a bit of a walk back to the amenities. um, And if they're broken, you know, you've got to walk to get some help potentially. So I... If you just look at any charging stations in Europe or the US, the new ones, they, they look unbelievable. They're gorgeous. They're shaded. They've got solar panels on it. Uh, the amenities are close by. It's just, it's magic compared to what we've got here. So I would personally like to see them improve over time.
0: What advice might you have for newer EV drivers who are listening today, who are planning a, a longer trip? Because I mean, yeah, it,
1: it's its a sort of a bit of a bittersweet experience in some ways you're describing. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think at the moment in Australia, it's almost a tale of two cities. You've got You've got to break it up into Tesla versus non-Tesla vehicles. If you drive a Tesla, sure, you're paying a premium, but it's it's very easy uh, along the main arterials. So from Sydney to Melbourne, Sydney to Brisbane, Gold Coast, even Sydney to Adelaide, Sydney to the Central West, the car almost tells you where to go. It maps out where you should stop, how much you should charge up to each time, what percentage you've got in ideal conditions. And it, it, in real time, adjusts accordingly how much charge you've got left. So there's that range anxiety is almost taken care of in the car, in air-conditioned comfort. In a non-Tesla EV, you've got to plan a bit more, like we did with the videos that I, I showed. You've got to use PlugShare, you've got to use a better route planner, Google Maps, just to have those contingencies in mind. Just in case one is not working, then you've got to make sure you've got enough to go to the next one. In an ideal world, I don't want to do that. I'm happy to do it, do it now as an early, early adopter, but I can't see mainstream drivers wanting to do that long term. So I think it's got to improve as well. Time.
0: And dare I ask
1: the basic question, how much did your car cost? Which one, the, the Tesla? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the Tesla Model 3, I think at the moment is about 60 Oh, $65,000, um, there's been a price adjustment recently, and the Model Y is about seventy, seventy-five thousand 75,000 as well. The BYD Atto three we drove is 51,000, 51. so significantly mm. cheaper. Yeah, mm. because I looked up the cost too because my friends had a Hyundai mm. and got very
0: excited. and Then I looked at the cost, which was double the cost of my Honda Jazz. Yep. And and the cost of the trip, uh, did you assess that as well?
1: What we did. Um, i have to look at my notes, but I think it was very cost efficient. I think Sydney to Melbourne was only about $60 odd, wow. Um, in electricity. And I worked out the, if you were to compare that to an equivalent ICE car or a total combustion engine vehicle doing the same journey, even at the most efficient it would still be more expensive, and certainly if you've got a gas-guzzling gas-guzzling car, it's almost triple the amount of, of uh, would have cost in petrol.
0: And and Ross, advice from you based on your experience for for early takers up.
2: Yeah, sure. So I think the first thing when purchasing a vehicle is ensuring that it fits your operational needs. So before considering whether it's a petrol vehicle or an electric vehicle, does it need to be a five seat or a seven seat vehicle for your family? Does it need to be able to tow? What does the vehicle need to be able to do? Once you've covered that off, you can look at the sorts of trips you take and the sort of choices that are available in the market. Uh, So, for example, in our family, my wife's actually picking up a Polestar this weekend. We're uh, heading in tomorrow to pick that one How
0: long do you have to wait for that?
2: Uh, That was about a six or seven-month wait. And that goes towards the point I was making earlier about availability of vehicles. Uh, Getting these cars into the country in numbers sufficient to meet demand is really important. But in terms of our expected usage of that vehicle... Uh, It's my car that does the long family holidays. Hers does the commuting, might occasionally go down the coast to Ocean Grove from Melbourne, for example. We're not anticipating her to ever need to use high power public charging. We'll be able to do all of our charging at home. So the use case of the vehicle is really a a player there and something to consider. And obviously that affects your costs as well. Uh, Electricity at home from your own solar panels or off peak in the middle of the night is always going to be lower cost than electricity in public charging stations.
0: Very interesting, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, Tom Gann and Ross Durango, thank you for joining us.
2: No problem. Most welcome. And Tom, Thank you. Tom
0: uh, runs Ludicrous Feed on YouTube. It's very helpful, I think you'll find. Ross Durango is Head of Energy and Infrastructure at the Electric Vehicle Council. And look, there's quite a few very interesting questions from you coming in on the text line. We're going to put that to Ross next week and I'll come back to you. But I just, I have to note, um, uh, thank you, Bill Wilkes. He's come, he's a member of the middle arm uh, RFS near Goulburn, has two Teslas apparently with over 200,000 Ks on each of them. Well done. Now, up next, why India has blocked a BBC documentary about Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC
2: Listen app's call and text features.